It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at Steve Diddy, NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And it's the off-season, but there is no off-season at the UK Packers. Because here I am in the podcast studio, joined by at IT underscore hedgehog. It's Peter Jones. PDP. What's going on, baby? Hi, Steve. I'm, I'm good. There's not too much happening here. How are you? Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> it's so great uh yeah there's not there's not a whole lot happening and um, when you look at the twatter twatters packers universe um i didn't mean to say twatters but i'm just gonna roll with it because you usually say on twatter uh yeah there's not a whole lot happening which pete is a blessing and a curse might i add because all of a sudden you know khalil mack comes into play people want to obliterate the chicago bears salary cap they want to obliterate <laughs> salary cap and picks and then we've obj coming up again i mean what else is going to come up i hear that they're going to you know bring around the fire capers brigade again but they might not want to do it because capers are now working for somebody else and we'll get into that but before we do that how was your week what are you reading and um how's donald graham going for you <laughs> well i'm still re- i'm still reading the same three books that i am um, that i was reading <laughs> this time last week however i've right. started a fourth <laughs> Um, so, 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 so this one is Packers related. So oh, this is on. the, um, um, I forget the exact name of it, but it's basically it's. Um, that sounds like a great a, book, Pete. Yes, <laughs> it is. So, so it's, um, it's in essence is uh, a Ron Wolf. Um, it's the story of Ron Wolf and the Packers. Mm. So it takes it from the point when Ron Wolf was hired by the Packers in late '91, and talks about his, you know, his personnel moves the the, fi- the hiring the firing the hiring of mike holmgren the trade for brett Favre, the reggie white deal etc 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 and my my wife kindly bought that for my birthday um and i finally started to read it this week so it's um i'm only probably uh, i don't know maybe a fifth of the way through it yeah um but it's really it's really really interesting stuff and and whilst most of the 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 stories themselves, um, you know, are well are well known to us. There's, you know, there's a few details in there that certainly I'd never seen, never seen before. Um, so yeah, certainly interesting reading. And if I'd been more prepared, I'd have had the book in front of me, so everybody listening would know exactly what book it was I was reading, and they could go out and buy it. Yeah, well, you see, we do have articles on the website ukparkers.co.uk, and um, it always sounds like a promotion. Anytime I sort of allude to anything that we do whatsoever, including patreon.com forward slash UK Packers and you can provide for us. We have 13 Patreons or patrons, patrons um, on there so you can become the 14th, you know. Um, but yeah, we have an article about the, the favourite Packers books. When it comes to Packers books, Pete, um, and you have a lot of them, we've spoken about that before. I mean, you've yeah. got rooms full of these things. What do you think the standard is like for Packers books? Is it so niche do you find that any book that comes out usually gives you a nice little nugget or something new or a new angle? Or is the team so popular that there's a bunch of hacks out there who will bring out a book that's a load of waffle? So, so I, think there's a, I think there's a mixture. Yeah. I think that's probably what makes it, what makes it difficult. Um, because there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's, um, if you like, is retreads of stuff that we've already read. Yeah. Um, and that's that's not to not to knock them because you know that may be your first entry into 
you know, um, reading reading about the Packers or Packer books or, or whatever. I think that's quite that's quite difficult. But I but I but I also think when you get to some of the more detailed books on, you know, the the biographies, mm. um, like the Johnny Blood McNally book that that you reviewed um, a few months ago with Ralph Hickok, those types of books where they where they certainly get into a lot more detail about yeah. an individual. I think those those are really really good. Yeah, I like those because there's so much sort of folklore and like, for instance, Rain Nitschke, you know, people will tell you the same two stories. Uh, Johnny Blood, oh, he sang Galway Girl and hung from a flagpole. You know, Vince Vince Lombardi, he said this, you know, so I find that when an awful lot of the famous Packer names, you usually hit the same old stories every time. And that's why, like you said, reading these books is fascinating. Anything that Cliff Crystal ever writes usually gives you some sort of a nugget. Am I right? In like you know, yeah, here, it's just it's his inbuilt knowledge. It's kind of like um, well, hopefully when we speak, Pete, you know, when when he just speaks, all of a sudden you bring in some. Oh, by the way, don't forget that you know I met yeah. his relative in a car park and we discussed <laughs> this, and you're like, oh, holy god, like yeah, no, and I guess and I guess in all fairness, it's horses for courses, isn't it? Yeah. If if you if you like I say, if you're if you've got 300 or so Packers books, then you're probably looking for something different, some more detail. But if you're just on your starting your Packers journey or starting your Packers book journey, then some of those other books, those those might be ideal. Yeah, that's the problem that we face as a fan club, don't we? I mean, especially when we're providing info and stuff like that. We've been doing it so long and you even longer, I guess, you know, going back into the amount of years that you did and the, and the contacts that you had in green bay and the coaches and all this type of stuff is that it's very hard to find a jump in point so you know you have to strike a, a balance between you know catering to the diehards uh, we've had people before come abroad um to the states to to see a game one of the guys actually watched the ice ball so then you've got that level of packers yeah. fan and then you've got the guy who uh, you know, sort of follows two or three teams and the Packers are his second team, but he listens in because of this reason. And in fact, we'd be very interested to find out um, from everybody. The the part that I don't like about fandom and especially NFL is it becomes sort of less niche over here and that people have been, you know, immersed in it for a while now. And I get the fact that some people aren't as fanatical. An awful lot of people aren't as fanatical, I guess. And that's not a knock on them. And like ages ago, there used to be this whole thing. It's, it's actually still going around. You know, if you don't stay up for the late games, well, then you're not a real fan. And that's a load of balls. I mean, you can be a fan of whatever sort of people coming in and out. And it's good for the game. It's good con- It's good conversation. But like you say, uh, you know, there's different levels. Yeah, abs- absolutely. It may be worth giving a mention. Now we're talking about talking about books. And um, one of the guys on the, um, on the Facebook um, group, um, UK and I, Packers Facebook group um, has recommended a book, and I, I I haven't I haven't read this book, and I and I won't name the person because some people do and don't like their names being being mentioned. But mm. if you go onto the onto the Facebook group, it's there. So he's recommended a book that he's just finished reading, hundred year anniversary, the People's Team, an illustrated history of the of the Green Bay Packers. And certainly, if you look at some of the people that contributed to this book, the likes of Peter King. Chuck Mercine, you know, the Packers um, running back from the 60s. Um, David Neff, I believe Chris Cliff Crystal may well have contributed in, in some way to this book. So um, I can't personally recommend it because I've not not yet seen it myself, but certainly somebody on the on the Facebook forum is, is, is recommending it as a book that they've just finished reading. So maybe worth people checking out the forum and and checking out the book. Yeah, there's a lot of them flying around. I know I got um the ebook version of Gunslinger when I was coming back from the States actually just to read it because over in Green Bay, 
Um, it's amazing how much people have their their finger on the pulse on all of the underworld stuff you don't hear. So like the <laughs> amount of stories I heard about Brett Favre, I was like, alrighty, gonna buy the book again and and, get, and give it a read on the plane, find out what I'm missing. Um, so I started to read it, but um, it's been a great week for me, I have to say, reading wise. And I know I said it in last week's podcast. I try to read a book a week, so I finished Great Expectations, which has to be a really poo poo ending. Dear Jesus Christ, I know the book has been out since the 1800s, but you know what I mean? Someone could have warned me about that. He's not going to write you an alternative ending now, I don't think. Which he actually did, in fact. It was two endings that he wrote. One of them was super (laughs) harsh. um, And then one of a friend of his read it and goes, "Ah, come on, Charlie, you need to do better than that, Paul. So he sort of, you know, rounded it out. And I, you know, I was sort of thinking, okay, well, then this has to end in a nice way. Managed to avoid the ending for 150 years. And, um, yeah, still disappointed in it. And then I read Elements of Eloquence uh, by Mark Forsyth, which I, I got really excited about. It's about like how to structure the perfect English sentence, which me never do. But, um, and I won't now. Uh, so I was reading that and I tried to talk to people about the book and they fall, keep falling asleep. So that's not great. And then also I'm reading Hitch 22, a memoir. So all of these non-packer related books, Pete, what's your non-packer related activity that you've done this week? You must have got up to some sort of shenanigans. Um, Is it Donut Graham? How well, much well, well, coverage well, we did that get? We certainly could talk about Donut Graham on Twitter. That kind of that kind of took off. Thanks to you this week. Thanks um, to me. I love how you blame me on all the bad stuff. You're like my man. You know what I mean? When we used to do something wrong, she'd be like, "Oh, that's the O'Brien," and I'm like, "You're kind of like, cool man. Yeah, cheers. Just put that part on my dad's jeans. Nice." Well, it was really it's really a test, wasn't it, to see to see how how. Um, what volume of interaction you could you could get when asking about donut flavors, and we got we got quite a lot there. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are very sincere about it too, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think we started this as a piss take, but I actually got some really cool tips on the best donuts. But can anybody pass up Krispy Kreme? I said that, and someone said, "Oh, the donuts are a bit light." That's exactly <laughs> what's good about them. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, other than that, I I guess that that the, the so non non packer related, non football related. I guess a little bit a little bit of genealogy. That's that kind of is the th- is my go to thing when I've got a few few spare minutes. Yeah. Um, and as you as you know, that can be quite quite obsessive because it's never because it's never ending and um and quite difficult at times. You hit quite a few quite a few brick walls. But that's my kind of go to thing when I've got a few when I've got a few spare minutes. Yeah, and when are you going to tell people that you're related to British monarchy or General well, Lee or you know some, someone well. back in? Um, oh, here we go. Come on. <laughs> well, actually, it's not. It's it's it, it's not me. It's Rhonda, uh, my wife. Is has has more um, interesting things in her people in her in her family tree, way way distant than than, than I do. Yeah. Oh well, there you go. Well, well, people have to tune into the genealogy podcast that we're going to be <laughs> launching um, next week. Uh, to find out yeah it's mad i looked into my family tree people are listening and going jesus christ i'm new to the podcast it's 13 minutes in and i haven't heard really much packers related stuff but it's the off season all right you're putting up with obj tweets khalil mack tweets so you know what i mean uh, i used to have a phrase for this moment but i can't say it anymore because you know it's offensive but um yeah i looked into it and apparently like there was really mad big landowners in my family i don't know do you think <laughs> I sometimes think about think about it and I'm like, you know what I mean? Does that make me wealthy then, even though I don't own? Because apparently my family used to own a large swathe, if that's the correct phrase, of Temple Bar in Dublin. Yeah. So um, look at me now. 
that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, so people in Old Temple Bar for really expensive pints. And I could have been the proprietor um, selling these expensive pints um, to, um, you know, clueless oncomers. But anyway. But, it, but, in, but instead you had to put up put up with us Packers fans, huh? Well, that's the thing, yeah. I just, you know, I decided to walk away from all of that money just to follow my heart. Um, I'm talking to my arse. You know what I mean? It's all the body parts. But Peter, this podcast is a, a kind of about Packers news, I guess, and kind of about to wrap up the what we saw from the Packers last season, um, which is mad referring to it as last season already. But we have to do it. Now, the other podcast was called Let's Get Offensive. The other one is Let's Get Defensive. It's going to be something special um, of February 11th. Again, people are going to think this is like a Valentine's episode. Me and you are going to be smooching um, on the podcast, but that's for the smooching podcast in two weeks' time. Um, <laughs> I would elaborate on that just for the joke but I'm, I don't want to weird people out uh, but me and Peter are holding hands at present um, Peter, special teams were they very special at all in 2019? Not, not, not especially special, no um, so otherwise it was, it, was a, it was a mixed bag but I guess ov- overall the performance was not dissimilar to 2018 when it was all a bit of a mess really yeah um, I guess when you start to split it out, I mean, start with Mason Crosby because he's the, he was you know the star of the special teams. He was the special one on the special teams. Yeah. Um, fantastic year. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're all now clamouring for him to be to be re-signed. So he's at the end of his contract. So we're all clamouring for him to be re-signed. And it's it's funny when you now think back a year to where we were a year or so ago. Um, maybe you know maybe even eight months or so ago with Mason Crosby, you know, he's costing 5 million against the salary cap. Is this the time to let him go? You know, lots of talk about the Packers letting him go in 2019. Um, you know, Sam Fickin's in, in camp, having a decent camp. Is this the time we move on? And, and I guess we're very, very lucky that we didn't. Yeah, I kind of get, you know what? The Sam Ficken thing really annoyed me because it showed up a couple of things. One, how, how quickly we were to move away from a legend in Green Bay. Now, I'm like, when it came to Clay Matthews, um, I was like, no, we should have moved on a long time ago when it comes to Dom Capers, uh, most definitely, even though he wasn't a player first. Uh, but, you know, when I look at some of these things, I'm like, all right, I, I get moving on for money-wise, but at the same time, like, they should call him Mason Money Crosby because the amount of stuff that he did for us last season, you know, he's one of the top kickers in the NFL. He was the most accurate he's ever been. He's tying franchise records uh, for accuracy, you know. And I'm reading all these articles online as of late, and, you know, they're trying to make a case for and against. I think it was Zach Cruz had an article about, um, I think, within the last day, about, you know, the case to, to keep him or, or cut him. And most of the cut him stuff, yeah, is about salary cap, but also about age. And they're like, oh, well, you never know when a kicker goes downhill. And like, he's coming off his best season ever. And then as well as that, if you want to put value in the kicker, did he not actually, you can put certain wins on a kicker. And again, it's kind of contradictory, right? Because when a kicker loses you the game, they're like, oh, well, it's not his fault. You shouldn't have put him in that situation. But I think when a kicker kicks a field goal to win you the game, um, he can sort of take on that pressure. And had you not had him or had he not been as accurate as he, as he was, you would have tied or lost the game, would have went into overtime or whatever. Now, look at those two games against the Lions. So, you know, we kick at the end of regulation and end up walking away with the W there. That's invaluable. And that's the difference between, you know, where we would have ended up in the playoffs versus whatever. You know, you can come up with all these kind of scenarios. And on top of that, I will say the personal tragedy that that man had to face 
in the season and yet he was still able to keep his head in the game is nothing short of miraculous so I think that if the man wants to finish out his career in Green Bay providing he's not looking for absolutely wild amount of money which I don't think he will be I think he's a he's a lifer in Green Bay Pete I don't know if you feel differently about it but I think if at, at whatever cost even if it is fairly expensive you know kicker wise um, I think we we surely have the salary cap to try bring him back because he is a game changer and a difference maker. Yeah, no, I absolutely I absolutely agree with that. And your point about you know he's coming off his best season ever is absolutely the most important point. Yeah. You know, regardless of whether he's you know forty seven, twenty seven, seventeen, or seven years old, he's coming off his his <laughs> his best season. It do, it doesn't matter, does it? You know, Adam Vinatieri is still kicking, and he's older than I am. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, in all seriousness, I, I just, to me, it's an absolute no-brainer, you know, that 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 that, he, that he's brought back, you know, uh, assuming that, that there's no silly salary demands, which I, I'm, you know, I'd be pretty certain, ninety-nine point nine percent certain that, that that there won't be. Then it's just a complete non. For me, it's a, almost a non-discussion, Steve. To be honest, yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't quite get why anybody would would be arguing arguing differently yeah so for whatever about you know the brian balaga and the tremont williams and all of these players you know who people point to their injury history or their age you know it's it's a non-factor for mason crosby and as well he's a friend of the podcast and we don't say that usually we say stuff like that for aaron Rodgers, which we hit so taking the piss uh, but when it comes to mason crosby he's been on so many times and he's one of the rare players that i faced and interviewed where he's very personable and um, he's very normal you can text him uh, and he'll he'll chat to you, and he doesn't do this thing about hiding behind agents and all that type of stuff. Now, do you still have to go through his agent to get the interview? Yes, because that's the way the cookie crumbles. But at the same time, I mean, you know, you can text him before and say, "Hey, yo, are you ready?" You know, blah blah blah, and he'll get back to you. He's not one of these guys who's like, "Oh, I don't want to talk to him. He's a freak." You know, he gets people, even though he would be right in calling me a freak. Um, you know, because there's that famous story where I told him we were talking about injuries or getting older or something. And I was telling them a story about carrying bean bags over to my parents. So yeah, it wasn't great. But when we look at the likes of um, Hunter Bradley and J.K. Scott, um, and there's an interesting article on lastwordonprofootball.com, which is, you know, the site to go to, um, just about, they actually were looking at Brian Gudekunst and his first draft class. And I forgot that the two of these lads were drafted. And, you know, fifth round J.K. Scott, um, seventh round, wasn't it? Yeah, Hunter Bradley. And I love, and then I went looking for like, okay, what stats can I find on the players and sort of to to put statistics to where I saw them in my head, AK JK Scott uh, started off really well and kind of went rapidly downhill. There was some absolute Shanksville stuff. And it turned out that he ended up 28th in the league in yards per punt and 24th in net yards per punt, which wasn't great. Um, So then this article on this reputable website, you know, starts talking about that, you know, it was a bit of a reach in the round they got him. And the only thing I could find, on hunter bradley was is that he isn't in the news <laughs> that it's not a case of like oh some dodgy snaps there so again uh sort of solid enough from hunter bradley not a whole lot to say um and jk scott went downhill do you do you subscribe to the fact that they need to bring in another punter for jk to give him a you know fire under his arse or are you happy enough to go with him not do you think? For, not 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 for me no? i mean i i you know it <laughs> Second year guy, yes, it wasn't the 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 great the greatest of seasons. I mean, it started very well, and like you say, kind of 
seem to go downhill quite quickly and then and then recover very slightly towards the end towards the end of the year mm. um and you're right you know things like it's interesting you know because as you said you know it's net average per punt was 24th in the nfl yeah um but bizarrely and this this goes to show the history of punting in green bay or perhaps the difficulty of punting in green bay that 39.9 yards per per punt net average is the third highest in packers history oh god <laughs> um so i think that well i think that says two things i remember the packers have never had a pro bowl punter so 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 the history of punting in green bay has not been you know we're not we're not full of there aren't too many punters in that top 50 list of all-time greatest Packers. Let's put it, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, are probably the best in living memories, Craig Hendrick from that mid-90s um, team. But the Packers haven't been blessed with, you know, great punting. But but again, a lot of that will be down to the conditions in which they have to punt, particularly late late in the season. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, he's, he's clearly not at the level that, we'd all liking to be is clearly later in the season. He wasn't at the level that perhaps he was in the first three or four weeks. But I, I think in the grand scheme of looking at, looking at the roster, there may be a guy in camp, you know, almost as much to give it, to give JK Scott's, you know, leg arrest during camp yeah. or preseason. But, um, you know, I'd be a million percent shocked if he's not back with the team next, next year. Yeah, because we don't want to do him a disservice too. I mean, there was some parts earlier in the season where he bailed us out because the problem that we had uh, the season prior was really poor field position at times, you know, with turning the ball over or whatever. Um, so really, you know, JK came in at the start of the season, did a fantastic job in positional punting as well because we can get so caught up, can't we, in like how far the punt goes yeah. when really, you know, when it, when it comes down to that he needs to put the ball uh, you know as close to their end zone as he can and he does the job but it's not a very long punt uh, you know sometimes it's about position as well and hang time I mean there's, there's unbelievable hang time usually on his punts um, but like anything else as a punter or as a kicker you usually tend to forget about the good ones and then focus on the ones where they put us in a bind and unfortunately there was a couple of those that stand out um, from last season but um, the other part of special teams of course is punt and kick returning so you know, this was one of those positions where, you know, how much credit do we give, you know, Brian Gutekunst in this sense that, you know, uh, Tremont Smith, um, Trevor Davis, you know, because we, we gave away Trevor Davis yep. and there was a lot made and certainly I made a lot of like, you know, let's try give this dude a chance to stay off his back. It didn't work for him um, on punter kick returns or whatever um, early last season, but they bring in Swerve and Irvin. Um, how important was that, Pete, during last season? Well, I think, I think, I think it was a you know very important move. Um, it, it's don't want to go over the top with it. Yeah. You know because because these things are typically, you know, you're comparing a a zero point zero average of Tremont Tremont Smith with I don't know an eight or nine yard average with 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 Tyler Irvin. So it's not not huge amounts of yardage in the grand scheme of things, but um, he certainly was dynamic, explosive. You felt that every time he touched the ball, that something was going to happen. Mm. Um, so you know you get that feeling with that guy that, that, that there's a huge return coming at any at any time, which you never felt with the with the with the previous guys. Um, and I guess the added bonus with with Tyler Irvin was was his ability to do stuff on offense. 
Yeah. You know, he, he gave you that guy out of the backfield. You could line him up in the slot. He did, did a few bits and pieces on offense that was, was an added bonus that they, you know, they really liked. And, um, now he's an unrestricted free agent going into, going into this year. Um, so he may get suitors from, from other teams who, who saw what he did with the Packers, but you've got to believe that he's going to be kind of a low money guy and, and hopefully, hopefully he'll be back. Cause I think he made a, a big difference to that return game in particular. It's mad in the perspective because like for a guy like him, if you were to look at him in isolation, um, or compare him to the other teams, you're like, yeah, there's like a big massive who cares on the whole thing. But like you say, to start off at such a low base, the fact that we were like yeah. historically bad on returns and then he comes in. Freddie Boston has an article on Lombardi Avenue where he sort of states the case to bring him back, you know, points to 11 punts, uh, 106 yards with an average of 9.6 yards yeah. per return saying, you know, it's a small sample size, but it ranks up the top of the NFL. Um, not a bad little blurby piece um, there from, from Freddie. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to can we find someone better? Yeah, probably most definitely. Will they bring him back and see value in him? Who knows? But, uh, you know, as you say, cheap guy, nothing really to lose. Um, but again, I mean, there's, there's probably so many options at this stage as well. But you know what? If if there's nothing else to say about Irvin. No, n- nothing at all. You just hope that, that, you know, they found a guy that they can settle on and try and move forward with him. But if, but if another team signs, in a, signs him at decent size money, then... You let him go and you find somebody else. It's that kind of yeah situation. We 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 tough the cap, tiff the cap, top the cap, whatever. We we take our caps off to this guy, but it's mad that article uh, that I mentioned earlier when we you know when I was looking at the the draft for Hunter Bradley and J.K. Scott. Dear God, Pete, it's grisly reading. It goes into Gudekunst's first NFL draft. Let me read out some names. See, this is totally impromptu. Jair Alexander, yay. Josh Jackson, hey. Oren Burks. Slightly, uh, Jamon Moore, dear lord, uh, Cole Madison, uh, Jory's out, JK Scott, we spoke about, uh, MVS, ESB, James Looney, Hunter Bradley, Kendall Donerson. Um, is it too, is it squeaky bum time yet, Pete, well, yeah, about this well, first I, draft? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, that draft along with the, the, the 2019 draft, I, I think that, um, no, it's early days, isn't it, with, with, yeah. The draft, you know, people talk about, oh, you got to wait for three years or four years or five years. That's that's. There's a certain amount of truth. There's a certain amount of truth in that. Um, but also, as you kind of alluded to last week, you know, there's nothing that stops a player coming in in his first year and being a, and being a star. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think the jury's out. You, you know, when you read through when you through read through those names, and and you in essence have picked up. One starter in that draft, Jair Alexander. If you if you you know exclude the the special teams guys, that's not <laughs> they're people that's not, too, Pete. I know, too. I, I know, but they're not real. They're not really starters, are they? Um, but you know, one one positional starter, if you like, in in the draft, you probably would hope for a bit a bit more than that. Um, so I think I th- I think the jury is out when you couple it with the twenty with the twenty nineteen draft as well you know your number one pick in the 2019 draft didn't play you know Rashan Gary didn't play very much um then you've got a couple you've got a couple of good ones yeah um in in, in Savage and, and and Elton Jenkins um and then you've got uh, some bodies that are there you know the Kingsley Kikis of this world we don't know what they're going to be the Jay Sternbergers of this world we're hopeful but we don't know yet so um lots of lots of question marks right now 
Yeah, and one one thing that isn't a question mark, which is more of an exclamation mark with loads of LOL, la 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 la, is the Vikings have signed Dom Capers to be um, a defensive consultant, I believe they call him. Um, what are they going to do, Pete? Are they going to get Dom Capers in a room and get him to write out plays and then do the opposite? Now, look, that's being, I'm being facetious. What I would say is there was an awful lot of time in Green Bay, Dom Capers would put the players in the correct positions and the fundamentals would let us down. And I'll be honest about that. The amount of times they've come on um, and tried to defend Dom Capers in some positions. Um, so I guess, you know, the the lull moment is the fact that you know how it all ended in green bay maybe he's not as bad as we thought maybe he's better in a consultancy role and um, because he's not down there trying to call plays and also it depends on who he has as players to make the plays for him how do you see this one is this a bit of silliness from the vikings or is it a good pickup for you well i think that you know zimmer there is is a defensive coach himself so it's interesting that that, that he's pulled in another defensive guy and i, I have to i have to think that they're, they're going to be talking to Capers around specific things. Yeah. Um, you know, Capers was one of the, one of the first um, experts as it were, uh, I guess, after Dick LeBeau in, in the zone, in the zone blitz. So, so maybe, you know, something specific like that. If they, if they wanted to add the zone blitz to their defense, who's, who's the guy that you'd want to learn about how to the best way of doing that. Dom Capers is probably that guy now. Yeah. Um, so, so if it was if it was specific stuff like that, then and, and I'm sure that you know Dom Capers, with all his experience in the league, there's there's other specialities that 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 he has. So, so if they're doing it for that reason, you know, for for specific for specific things, then um, it's probably it's probably not a not a bad move. Do you know what the number one specific thing is for me? Like, who went up against Aaron Rodgers' offense for all those yeah, years? That's a good point. You know what I mean? I mean, the yeah. one guy who's going to be see the ins and outs and the weaknesses of Aaron Rodgers, who would be in a coaching room with the entire staff, you know, having conversations about what gets at him, what type of character he is. I mean, there's so much more deeper here, I think, that people are kind of overlooking. Well, and, and uh, yeah, I think you've raised a fantastic, a really, really fantastic point there. Because that's the kind of you know very specific stuff that you'd be asking from him you know when you come coming up against these teams the teams you know coming up against the packers or even other teams that dom that you've prepared for in the past mm. what what were the what were the kind of things that you were looking for what did you see when you were preparing to play whoever it might be you know mitch trubisky or or whoever it whoever it might be what were the specific things that you you were looking for but certainly the points about if anybody knows about facing up to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, the Packers offense, then it's it's Dom Capers, absolutely. Because we saw that criticism of Mike Pettin, um when it was about coming up against Kyle Shanahan. They said that Pettin would, you know, from what you believe on the BS articles that sort of zing around. But one of them was is that the criticism they had that Mike Pettin would tr- try every practice to go up against you know, that the offense that he was facing, this was with the Browns, and he wouldn't go and focus on the fact that he should have been preparing for the offense of the team they're going to face that week. And so, the you know, allegedly the defense was hooting and hollering and jumping about the place, you know, when they gained success over the Browns' offense um, instead of, you know, not doing what would beat them but to beat the next team. So, I mean, when it, when you look at the likes of Dom Capers, the amount of game planning he would have done to try beat Aaron Rodgers, and as well as that, I mean, what gave the Packers so much confidence 
um, in Dom Capers that they kept him on? And was it the performance that he'd have in practice? Was it the cleverness that he'd be... You know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But the thing is, the initial reaction is for everybody to scoff, including me. And then when you think deeper of it, you're like, okay, you know what I mean? It's it's a it's a fine weapon the Vikings have added here. Um, yeah. And not something to be laughed at. Yeah, and if I were, and if I were a a vikings fan which clearly i'm not by the way um <laughs> if i were a Vi- if i were a vikings vikings fan it'd be one of these situations where you would say okay i'll i'll try i'll trust in the process i can understand two or three reasons why they why they might have picked him up let's 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 see how to, how this goes because you're always looking to improve your team you know one percent here one percent there whatever it whatever it might be so um yeah, and, and and Zimmer's a pretty smart defensive mind, so you know that he, um, you know, he must have a lot of lot of trust and a lot of reasons to want to want to bring Capers in. So yeah, it's like anything else. You, you can find knowledge wherever, and if you sort of feed into a certain narrative, it's not always true. I, I think that's absolutely right, and so so that, so you you know narratives get written and 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 stuff that that there may be some truth in them, there may be no no truth in them, but but stories rise to the surface that perhaps shouldn't rise to the surface and you know you just you have to be careful with this stuff you know um you know dom capers has been coaching in the nfl for you know forever and a day so Mm. let's let's not pretend that the guy doesn't know anything because here we all are right all um twitter and armchair experts when really he's the lad who's been who's been living it for like his entire adult life and he's very old uh speaking of an old guy and uh, devon house has retired as a packer <laughs> so yeah. how do you feel about that pete um well it seems to be it seems to be really in, in vogue these days doesn't it to come back and retire with retire you know for um with the team that you were that you were most associated with i guess um it kind of it kind of it surprised me and didn't and doesn't surprise me. It 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 surprises me only because they tend to be a little bit higher profile um, than perhaps Devon House was. But it, it's I think it's a nice thing and a and a and a good thing and and, and a a nice distraction when there's not a lot else going on. To be honest, yeah, that's the thing. Look, he was a nice guy. I often thought when I heard him speak, and then we met him in Green Bay as well. I thought he was very um very gentle in his demeanor you know like usually you meet these defensive guys and they just want to you know well even martellus bennett used to, he's not a defensive player but even he used to come out and and say hey, um you, you know you want linebackers to eat with your hands you know that was his sort of yeah. opinion which is why he called the bears rosters you know some very colorful language um so that's what the even and again my point is that comes from an nfl player who's sort of saying that's what you expect of the defense how many years had mike daniels been waxing lyrical about you know we got to play smash mouth football and you know kick people's ass and all this type of stuff devon house always struck me as kind of just just a genuinely nice bloke you know very very sort of soft-spoken and, and stuff like that and revealed speaking of dom caper some pretty telling stuff about the nfc championship game um you know, to do with what the players thought about the plays that were coming in on defense and how baffled that they were and how they didn't agree with it and all this type of stuff. Some real insight, which was a real risk on his part. Um, he had some great plays for the Packers, did really well. But what I would say is, is that you know his his time was well past. Um, when it came to the Packers, and I made the amount of time that he got beaten as well. And I, that, I guess that's what I hate as well. Someone's um legacy can not that it's a massive legacy, but you know that can be slightly tainted by. And it's usually defensive players, Pete, isn't it? That, you know, when you start to see them go downhill again, 
it kind of scuppers all the stuff that they've done. It's very hard as a defensive player, I think, to really go out on the top. Look at Revis Island. You know, yep. Richard Sherman at the heights of his power. Some people try to lead you to believe he's still there. Um, but then you see him get smoked by Sammy Watkins and all of a sudden he's the worst player in the world. But defensive players, you know, Clay Matthews, they tend to get hit fairly hard later in their career when they can't perform anymore. Not unless you're Charles Woodson, <laughs> apart from him. <laughs> yeah, I think that. No, I think that's... I think that's true. The clay had a decent season for the Rams this yeah. year, um, but no, I think I think generally that's 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 true. Yeah, yeah. Not saying nothing about uh, clay. I know you're close to the family. God damn it! <laughs> you know what I mean. You could literally click a finger and clay coming in this room and kicking my ass. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the podcast. We said we'd give it a quick twenty minutes, and it's nearly knocking forty now. But that's what we do in the off season. You know, a good twenty minutes of that is just waffle and banter at the start. So, Pete, anything else to say this week, or forever hold your peace? No, Steve, I really I really can't think of it. It's generally a quiet week this week and we look forward to the combine starting in a, in a couple of weeks. So I'm sure we'll, we'll start to gear up for that then. But no, that's it for me for this week. Well, there you go. Combine the 23rd of February and we're going to go and bring you plenty of college coverage and we're going to try, Pete, aren't we, and Endeavour. And I say we and I mean mostly you, but we're going to try bring the draft guide out again this year it was an absolute smash last year very big document um, a, a ton of work went in from your part um but we're going to be touching on that as well so it's 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 still going to heat up here in the off season for uk packers am i right in saying absolutely and we and we've got through this podcast without mentioning the xfl yeah i'm glad about that and the fact that winston <laughs> moss sacked a guy straight away <laughs> Oh, he's not erratic at all. It's really weird. The erratic behavior. I would not associate that with Winston Moss. Are you watching a peak? Come on, we have to talk about it at the end. Any, are you watching it? Yeah, yeah. I watched um, I watched the Houston Roughnecks on Saturday, on Saturday evening, and I, I kind of I recorded the other games and kind of skipped through them. If I if I'm if I'm really honest, um, but yeah, with the wife being from Houston and stuff, I decided that was the team that I was going to follow. So so I watched that, and there were some interesting, you know, li- little bits of innov- innovation. Yeah, which were which were interesting. You know, the the one, two, or three point conversions after a touchdown, and some some other bits and pieces. Being able to see inside the replay booth when they're going through replays and stuff was just was was interesting. And I think that they haven't done anything too radical. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing bizarre like setting fire to the to the pitch or having <laughs> having moats in the pitch that they've got to jump over or anything hurdles. <laughs> like that oh, yeah hurdles. Like we're inventing a new game now mm-hmm. um but no it's um yeah it's a bit of football in the in the off season as it were so yeah i'm, I'm okay with it see maybe they should do this with the pro ball or something you know i often thought what they should have done with the pro ball is to be able to dress the players in some sort of virtual suit thing and that they give you a controller and you can control them like on Madden. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, the amount of injuries there and the amount of times that people have beat the lard out of the ref would be unbelievable. But there you go. Clay Matthews <laughs> bludgeons the ref. Oh, man. See, there. I'm After alluding to the fact that Clay Matthews can get into the Pro Bowl. There you go. That's all I'm saying. Um, I do love Clay. He's a legend. But um, anyway, I've, I digress. Have I watched any of the XFL myself? No, <laughs> not, e- not even a bit. And I'm quite happy about it. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I'm cheating on the NFL. Is that bad? And as well as that, do you know, do you know the thing is, right? The XFL will act as kind of a funneling league for the players to come back into the NFL and will also give the NFL ideas about rules. So if a rule really sort of takes off and people love it, there's nothing stopping the NFL from taking that rule and kind of just replicating the XFL and making it go away. No, very, very, very true. And I think there'll be one or two things 
kickoffs and things that the NFL will certainly be watching closely, let's put it like that. Yeah. And the thing is, it makes the NFL look like it's taking itself way too seriously. <laughs> you know what I mean? When they look at a league <laughs> like the XFL. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it for this week. Here I am moving around the studio. God damn it. Um, so yeah, um, I will be, you know, continuing to work on my newfangled podcast studio. And I will be probably trying to do more video and visual stuff from said studio. But I've been at Steady the NFL. He's been at ITH. We have been collectively the UK Packers. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud and never miss an episode throughout the off season and twice throughout the regular season. So until then, until next week, it's Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.